MSW Media. This episode is sponsored by Lumi, a doctor-developed, skin-safe, pH-balanced, and aluminum-free deodorant. New customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code DAILYBEANS at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code DAILYBEANS. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, June 27th, 2023. Today, Judge Aileen Cannon makes her first ruling in the documents case. A half dozen or so Secret Service agents have testified in the federal January 6th investigation. The Supreme Court paves the way for Louisiana congressional districts to be redrawn. The Marines face no confirmed commandant for the first time in 164 years. And President Biden pledges that everyone in America will have access to broadband internet by the year 2030. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Man, that Joe Biden getting shit done. I know, but by 2030, just in time for the internet, I don't know, something is going to be bad with artificial intelligence by then, and all of us are going to like be burning our, our technology. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then everybody's going to have access to it, whatever it is. But yeah, there, we have a lot of broadband problems in, in rural America and that infrastructure it's true, act. very much. We're really going to change that. So I'm looking forward to discussing that. Before we get to the hot notes, Eileen Cannon. Okay, Aileen, Eileen, whatever. Judge Cannon, come on, Aileen. She made a ruling. Let me read this minute order uh, to you. Well, I'll just explain it to you because it's kind of confusing the way, <laughs> the way that it's written. But, but basically, DOJ, Jay Bratt, filed a motion saying, hey, we want these 84 witnesses in the documents case. By the way, that's a lot of witnesses. That's a lot of witnesses. Yep. Imagine the, what the January 6th witness list is going to look like oh, if just geez. this documents obstruction case is 84 witnesses. He says, we want this filed under seal, but first we also want to ask for a bond condition, meaning we want the court to order Donald Trump not to speak to any of these 84 people about the case. You remember in the, the bond condition at the arraignment was that he couldn't just talk to Walt Nada. And at that arraignment, the judge said, it was Judge Goodman, a magistrate judge, said, uh, DOJ, send us a list of all the witnesses you don't want Trump to talk to. And so that's what DOJ was doing. Here's our 84 witness list. And they wanted it filed under seal, but they conditioned the bond arrangement, the bond condition on or the, you know, the limitation for Trump to talk to these people. They conditioned that on them filing it under seal with the court. And Judge Cannon was like, well, first of all, you didn't tell me why you want to file it with the court at all in the first place, why you just don't give the list to the defendants here and just tell me about the bond thing. And if you do want to file it under seal with the court, you didn't explain why it needs to be under seal or for how long it needs to be under seal. So I'm denying everything without prejudice. You can file it again if you want, but I'm denying that. And then the request for, you know, all the media outlets to get the list of names public, she mooted that because that doesn't, you know, that that's was piggybacking on this. And now that doesn't really matter. Okay. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's, it's not going to be filed publicly, whether it's filed with the court under seal, whether it's filed with the court not under seal, 
and redacted or whether it's just given over to the Trump team. It's not a public thing. So she'll deal with that at some later date. She also set a hearing date for the classified discovery because we got the unclassified discovery uh, under the protective order. We got that already going on, but she set a hearing for July 14th and and Trump's response is due July 6th. That's fast. So fast. So far, so okay with Judge Aileen Cannon. (laughs) (laughs) If that's not a new thing, it should be so far, so okay. (laughs) Okay. So, you know, I I think Jay Bratt should have either, you know, not conditioned the bond condition on the filing under seal or should have given the reasons he wants it under seal or filing it with the court in the first place. But uh, so far, not too many delays. And that's not something that you would, I think, run to the 11th Circuit to try to replace her with. So Anyway, that's what's going on with that. And of course, you know, Andy McCabe and I will have some actual experts on. I'm not a lawyer. I'm getting my opinion here from like folks like Bradley Moss and and stuff like that. People who are in Secrets and Laws, Brian Greer, who's like, eh, this is pretty normal. So we'll talk about that on the next episode of Jack. All right, we have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, first up from NBC News, in an exclusive report from Julia Ainsley, about a half a dozen Secret Service agents have testified before the grand jury that will decide whether to indict the former guy and his allies for their role in the January 6th riot at the Capitol and efforts to interfere with the peaceful transfer of power. That's according to two sources familiar. Roughly five or six agents have appeared, the sources said, in compliance with subpoenas they received. It's not known what the agent's proximity to Trump was on January 6th or what information they have provided to the grand jury or when they were subpoenaed or when they testified. Special Counsel Jack Smith's investigation into the events of January 6th is separate from the probe that led him to Trump's recent indictment in Florida for the handling of classified documents. Sources told NBC News that about 24 Secret Service agents appeared before the grand jury for that case in Washington before it was moved down to Florida. While the exact content of their subpoenas and appearances is not known, Secret Service agents who were close to Trump on January 6th may be able to confirm, deny, or provide more details on a story first told by Cassidy Hutchinson to the January 6th committee in Congress. As you know, a year ago, Hutchinson told the committee she heard secondhand that Trump wanted the Secret Service agents to drive him to the Capitol to join the rioters, and he tried to grab the steering wheel and then reached for the clavicles of the driver, Bobby Engel. Trump denied that account. Now, Hutchinson said she learned of the incident from Tony Ornato. Ornato took a leave of absence from the Secret Service to serve as deputy chief of staff to Trump beginning in 2019 and then returned to the Secret Service when Trump left office. Both Engel and Ornato have since left the Secret Service, and it's not known whether they've testified before the grand jury, but they wouldn't be included in this five or six because they're not current Secret Service agents. Also of interest is what agents knew and discussed leading up to and during the insurrection. The Department of Homeland Security Officer Inspector General notified Congress last year all text messages between agents on January 5th and January 6th were just lost. We lost them. The agency said it was part of a pre-planned software upgrade that was just going to be happening right then. Their communications and anything agents might be able to recall could inform the grand jury about the extent to which Trump knew about the potential violence on January 6th and how he responded to threats made against then-Vice President Mike Pence. So we'll talk about that on the next episode of Jack as well. Thanks so much, A.G. And this is from Lawrence Hurley at NBC. The Supreme Court on Monday dismissed Louisiana's appeal seeking to prevent the state's congressional map from being redrawn over claims that it unlawfully dilutes the influence of Black voters. 
The movie A Brief Unsigned Order was expected after the Supreme Court's ruling on June 8th that buttressed a key part of the landmark Voting Rights Act in a similar case concerning congressional districts in Alabama. The court order noted that the case should be resolved in lower courts, and I quote, in advance of the 2024 congressional elections in Louisiana. The case will now move forward to the New Orleans-based 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And this is a quote from the Assistant Attorney General. Our job is to defend what the legislature passed, and we trust the Fifth Circuit will review the merits in accordance with the law. And that's from Angelique Friel. The Supreme Court's ruling in the Alabama case could lead to a new map being drawn in Louisiana in which Black voters would have a chance to elect their preferred representative in two of the state's six congressional districts instead of one. And this is another quote. Thankfully, Louisiana is now on track to add an additional minority opportunity district in time for 2024. That's from uh, Abha Khanna, and I hope I'm saying Abha's name correctly. And that is a lawyer representing plaintiffs in this case. In the Alabama case, the Supreme Court unexpectedly upheld a lower court ruling that said the Republican-drawn map in that state discriminated against Black voters by making it difficult for them to vote for candidates of their choosing. Well, in June of 2022, the Supreme Court, following an approach similar to its handling of the Alabama case, while they allowed Republicans to use their preferred map that a judge had struck down for violating the Voting Rights Act. Using the new map, Republicans won five of the six district in November's midterm elections. This is a big fucking deal. The Louisiana case had been on hold at the Supreme Court pending the outcome of the Alabama case. It's one of several cases likely to be directly affected by the Alabama ruling. With Black voters generally more likely to vote for a Democratic candidate, the ruling is likely to be a boon to Democrats seeking to win control of the House of Representatives. So you know what? If we can get one more steep flipped because there's not so much voter suppression, Mm. that's what we need to do. Yeah, and we'll see how this impacts other states and their drawing of congressional districts as well. All right, next up from Rebecca Keel at the Military News. The Marine Corps is on track to be led by an acting commandant for the first time in 164 years as senators leave town for two weeks with no end in sight to a standoff over military confirmations. The term for the current Marine commandant, General David Berger, expires July 10th, quote, at which time he must vacate the office regardless of whether a successor has been appointed. That's service spokesperson Major Jim Stenger speaking to Military.com in an email last week. Berger's deputy and nominated successor, General Eric Smith, will fill the position in an acting role. The failure to confirm Smith to be the next Marine Corps chief is due to a single-handed holdout on confirmations by Senator Tommy Tuberville, Republican from Alabama, over Pentagon abortion leave policies. What a piece of shit. Which I helped enact. Uh, the, The position is the highest in the military so far to feel the pinch of Tuberville's hold, but the Defense Department has warned that hundreds of officer promotions could be disrupted this year. And of course, we know the new chair, the nominated chair of the Joint Chiefs, has yet to be confirmed, too. He was, but he's set to take that position when Milley retires, or steps down, I should say, in September. Quote, until a new commandant is confirmed by the Senate and appointed to the position, General Smith will be the acting commandant, retaining the title and position of assistant commandant. That's what Stanger said. The Senate left for its 4th of July recess Thursday evening, and is not scheduled to be back in session until the same day Berger retires, making it impossible for Smith to be confirmed before Berger leaves. Fortunately for us, Republicans had to cancel their annual January 4th trip to Moscow because of what's happening in Russia. I'm kidding. On Thursday, the Senate Armed (laughs) Services Committee voted to advance Smith's nomination, but the panel's move will have little effect in moving it along. Aside from the Senate's summer absence, 
Smith now hits the blockade that Tuberville has maintained since February on all general and flag officers. While the Senate would typically confirm uncontroversial nominees such as Smith quickly after the Armed Services Committee advances them, Tuberville's objection to fast-tracking generals and flag officer confirmations means the Marines will be without a Senate-confirmed leader for the first time since Archibald Henderson died in office in 1859. Tuberville is using a procedural tactic known as a hold to stonewall all nominees for 07 and above over his opposition to a Pentagon abortion policy unveiled earlier this year. It was actually October of last year. The po- <laughs> you know how I know? Because you did it. You yeah. wrote it. The policy allows service members to take non-chargeable leave and have their travel expenses paid for if they need to go far from their base to receive an abortion or other reproductive health care not offered by the department, such as in vitro fertilization. While a hold cannot prevent the Senate from confirming nominees, it requires the chamber to take an individual roll call vote on each nominee rather than quickly confirming them in batches with a voice vote, as it usually does for military officers, because there's 250 of them trapped in Tuberville's hold and about 650 expected to be caught by the end of the year. Confirming them individually would be a months-long impractical process. Meanwhile, senators are using their annual defense policy bill to prod the Pentagon to explain the legality of the abortion policy at the center of the confirmation fight. The version of the National Defense Authorization Act, the NDAA, advanced by the committee this week would direct the Pentagon to provide a report to Congress on the legality, oversight functions, and processes related to the abortion leave policy. The Justice Department has already conducted a legal analysis of the Pentagon policy. While Republicans who oppose the policy argue that it violates legal restrictions on the use of Pentagon funding for abortions, the Justice Department maintains those restrictions apply only to actually performing abortions and that the Defense Department policy is consistent with other government agencies, such as the Peace Corps, which covers costs incidental to abortion. It's already a thing, you fuckers. Senators are asking for the report to be done by July 24th. Here, I'll write it for you. It's already done elsewhere, and it doesn't pay for abortions. Love, Allison. They want it by July 24th, so they receive it before the full Senate votes on the NDAA. Committee staffers told the Military Times this on Friday. The information in the report could be used for action on the policy when the bill comes to the Senate floor or is being reconciled with the House version of the bill, and that's according to committee staffers. The language on the abortion policy is in the report accompanying the bill, which means it's not legally binding, but also that lawmakers can request the Pentagon come back with answers before the bill becomes law. Calling for a report on the abortion policy was a compromise offered by Senator Joe Manchin after senators debated and rejected a measure from Joni Ernst that would have reversed the Pentagon policy entirely. Fuck you. Yep. Fuck you indeed. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You're cool. Fuck you. I'm out. (laughs) Last one in this section. This one's from the Associated Press. President Joe Biden on Monday said that high-speed internet is no longer a luxury, but an absolute necessity, as he pledged that every household in the nation would have access by 2030 using cables made in the U.S. Mm. Yes, these investments will help all Americans. He said we're not going to leave anyone behind. Biden announced that more than $40 billion would be distributed across the country to deliver high-speed internet in places where there's either no service or service is way too slow. And a quote in the story, but it's not enough to have access. You need affordability and access, the president said, adding that his administration is working with service providers to bring down costs on what is now a household utility, like water or gas, but often remains priced at a premium. Hmm. With Monday's announcement, the administration is launching the second phase of its Investing in America tour. The three-week blitz of speeches and events is designed to promote Biden's previous legislative wins on infrastructure, the economy, and climate change going into a re-election year. 
The president and his advisors believe voters don't know enough about his policies heading into 2024 re-election campaign and that more voters would back him once they learn more. Mm-hmm. Biden's challenge is that investments in computer chips and major infrastructure projects such as rail tunnels, they can take a decade to come to fruition. That leaves much of the messaging focused on grants that will be spent over time rather than completed projects. The internet access funding amounts depended primarily on the number of unserved locations in each jurisdiction, or those locations that lack access to internet download speeds of at least 25 megabits per second download, and upload speeds of 3 um, megabits. What is that? That is not a megabit. Is that a megabit? Yeah, megabits per second. Oh, see? I learn new things every day. It's Mm -hmm. just, it's... It's a Mm -hmm. handsome song. Mm -hmm. Thank you. (laughs) <laughs> well, there's three of those brothers. Download see? speeds involved. Re- see, download speeds in- involved. The upload retrieving- speeds of Hanson. You know what? <laughs> download speeds involved retrieving. <laughs> We're just gonna leave this laughter in. All right, download speeds involving retrieving information from the internet, including streaming movies and TV. Upload speeds determine how fast information travels from a computer to the internet, like sending emails or publishing photos online. The funding includes more than a billion for each for 19 states, with remaining states falling below that threshold. Allotments range from about 100.7 million for Washington, D.C. to 3.3 billion for Texas because it's fucking huge. Biden said more than 35,000 projects are already funded or underway to lay cable that provides Internet access. Some of those are from 25 billion in initial funding as part of the American Rescue Plan. High-speed internet isn't a luxury anymore, Biden said. It's become an absolute necessity. More than 7% of the country falls in the underserved category, and that's according to Federal Communications Commission's analysis. Congress approved the Broadband Equity, Access, and Deployment Program, along with several other internet expansion initiatives through the infrastructure bill that Biden signed back in 2021. So that's where all this is coming from. Yeah. And that just shows what a fucking cool guy he is. He knows the voters aren't going to feel this for another 10 years, but he did it anyway. It's important. It was important to get done. So uh, to try to think of any other kind of president that would do something so selfless, work so hard to get something that people, voters aren't going to feel for, for a long time. And I think that that's, uh, I think that's important. Although we are seeing the jobs, right? I mean, we've what, we're record low unemployment. So anyway, yeah, the media needs to get on touting Biden's Bidenomics and the climate change stuff and everything that he's gotten done. He's gotten so, so much done and we don't hear a word about it. So, all right, we have some good news to get to. If you have any good news, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. But we're going to take a quick break before that. Stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG. And I want to tell you about Lumi. It's my new favorite thing. Innovative deodorant designed for whole body use. Lumi was created by an OBGYN who discovered and proved in clinical testing that day-to-day odor below the belt is not the fault of the vagina. Lumi uses meticulously crafted pH-balanced formula powered by mandelic acid that targets and prevents odor before it even starts, making it the world's first pre-odorant. It's a first-of-its-kind whole-body deodorant that effectively safeguards not only underarms, but also underboobs, thigh folds, belly buttons, butt cracks, feet, vulvas, whatever you're trying to, you know, prevent odor in. It's just, it's more than a deodorant and it's really great on your skin. It's a, it's a guarantee for up to 72 hours of freshness. And what I appreciate the most about Lumi is its versatile nature. I've used it all over my body. It's been effective everywhere. An unexpected benefit was the impact on my self-confidence, knowing I'm protected against body odor, no matter where it might occur. 
has been very liberating and it's really great for my skin. The pre-odorant doesn't just change the way you deal with body odor, it changes the way you live. Whether you prefer the refreshing scent of clean tangerine, lavender sage, or my favorite toasted coconut, Lumi offers a delightful aroma for everyone. Experience Lumi today and elevate your personal hygiene to new levels. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off the Lumi starter pack with code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code DAILYBEANS. That's a $5 discount off the Lumi starter pack or over 40% off when you go to Lumi, L-U-M-E, deodorant.com and use code DAILYBEANS. You'll be glad you did. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, shout out to a loved one, pod pet photos. If you don't have a pod pet, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area. Shout out to a small business that you want to support or your own small business. Um, if you have what, like whoopee stories, blanky stories, I think the oldest one we have now is close to 100 years old. So send those in to us. Anything you want to send, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right, Dana, first up from Mike B, pronouns he and him. Hey, Beans. I don't know if Dana had a chance to visit the Utah Arts Festival while she was in town or not. They had a fun donation program called Give a Crap, where you can sponsor a porta potty at the festival and put your name on it. Okay, so AG, real inter- <laughs> quick introduction, and I won't give this away. I did go to the Arts Festival, and it's a phenomenal arts festival. And Mike, I took a picture of what we're about to explain, and I put it on my Instagram in my story because it was hysterical. This <laughs> is so cool. A plot twist, they let you put any text on it, not just your name. So for several years, I've sponsored the future Trump presidential library porta potty at the <laughs> festival. <laughs> Little did I know just how prophetic that would turn out to be. Yeah, it's a porta potty full of classified documents. Obviously had to update it in the light of recent events. So allow me to present this year's submission along with an example from a previous year. So glad you enjoyed your time in Salt Lake and we're able to connect with the amazing, thriving LGBTQ plus community here. Much love and respect to you both and keep fighting the good fight. So the sign says Mar-a-Lago offsite document storage, which is <laughs> fucking hysterical because it's on a giant porta potty. Mike, <laughs> I wish I had known it was you. I would have tagged you on my Instagram. I don't even know if you're on Instagram, but thank you. It brought me so much joy. I was surprised to see it in a public venue, but the YouTube, I mean, the arts festival is, I mean, if you just look around, the artists, the people go there, the LGBTQ community was out in full force and it was beautiful. Is that the one you took a picture of and shared? Yes. Oh, <laughs> and we and it's a Beans listener that did it. Oh, man. I love how small so, this world is. Mike B. I know. Really? Right? Like, thank you, universe. So cool. And there's the old one, Future Trump Presidential Library. <laughs> so good, Mike. Well done. Kudos, sir. Kudos. Mm. All right. Uh, should I take the next two short ones? Yeah. All right. This one's from Anonymous, pronounced she and her. This is a suggestion. I love Paul's shower curtain, and I think they would make great Christmas presents for MAGA family members. My pet tax is my daughter's dog, Charlie, that has a fur tattoo that says cat. Oh, interesting. I, and for some reason, Charlie's photo isn't included here. So we'll make sure I'll get with the producer and we'll make sure that it's included. Yes. In the In the notes there. All right. And the next short one here. This is from Gwendolyn. No pronouns given from Gwendolyn. This is an important update. You asked if Clancy's belly was a trap. Oh boy, yes. And not just the belly, the whole ruddy cat. 
is a no-go zone unless he asks three times. <laughs> if you pet after only being asked once, he bites. <laughs> That's I'm telling you, cats, I'm telling you, pet tax is proof that some things are too small to sit in, but you've always got to try. Oh the cat God. is literally in the tiniest <laughs> little basket. And then they couldn't and get it's all a, it's four. a big cat. It is a big cat. So it's just his butt. I love the bow tie. Oh my gosh. So good. If I fits, I sits. Thank you for that submission. Beautiful baby. Yep. Fur trap. Yep. Yeah. And you know, I I have to say, uh, my new kitten always exposes the belly, right? Uh, but and doesn't attack you if you pet it, but will just want to play with you. It's it's quite cute. All right, next up from Catherine, no pronouns. I have a question and a mild annoyance. I have heard on many sources that the president referred to as the vice president's boss. My understanding is that the VP is elected, not appointed, and has exactly two constitutional duties, (laughs) successor to the president and president of the Senate. It's only fairly recently that the office has taken on actual projects and participated in the administration. In my godlike opinion, by no stretch of the imagination is the president the VP's boss. For pet tax, this is Sweet Pea and Flower, named after the skunk in Bambi. All cats are Sweet Pea, so I just went ahead and named her Sweet Pea. Tenth birthday next week. They form a committee, uh, present petitions, and march around with tiny picket signs. I'm attaching a photo uh, of a petition to turn on the Christmas train and inquiring what my Zoom call was a couple of weeks ago. You can see Sweet Pea's unusual blue and yellow eyes in this one. Oh, wow. Thanks for the beans. I listen daily. Yeah, look it. Beautiful cat. My goodness. Both of them are gorgeous. So yeah. And yeah, it's not the VP is, president isn't the VP's boss. Yeah, you're right. It's craziness. All right. This is from Meryl, pronouns she and her. On a recent solo trip to hear music in the Rocky Mountains of Vail, Colorado, and to escape some Texas heat of 100 degrees daily, I had this wonderful experience. It's an angel story. Before even entering um, uh, uh, airport, AUS? AUS airport? I'm not sure what that is. I'm not sure if that's an accident or if that's what AUS airport is. Oh, I'm sorry. Austin's airport, probably. Uh, My shoe ripped apart. Checking my bag, I found a rubbery wristband to hold it. Getting off the airplane, my other shoe ripped apart. As I was hauling my bag and carry-on, a concession clerk gave me the only two rubber bands he had. Nearby was another concession of two shoe-shining women and two men getting shined. They had a regular empty chair in addition, so I asked to sit there and fix my shoe. One gal looked over her shoulder and without much ado said, Yes. What size? Nine, I replied. She then took off her white tenny and handed it to me and asked, If it fit, yes, and I questioned, and she handed me the other saying, you can keep them. Astonished, I offered her money, but she refused, and leaning over said, help a homeless person if you can. The tennis were spiffy new Reeboks. I don't know why this made, I mean, I know why it made me cry, but I didn't expect it to make me cry. There there are just good people out there. Meryl, I love that you had this experience, and I have no doubt you're going to pay it forward. Mm. That one got me. In my feelers. Me too. Ooh. Got goosebumps. Thanks for sending that in, Meryl. Yeah. I love it when I run into good people. Don't you? I do. Uh, yeah. Next up, Ian, as Canadian as possible under the circumstances, he, him. (laughs) As Canadian as possible. I love that. I need a shirt that says that. Dear Beans Queens, I have a person I want to give a shout out to. Oh, I love shout outs. My mom. Just a trigger warning before I tell you about her. Her story does mention... 
in a no graphic or gratuitous way, domestic abuse, but I promise it ends happily. When my mother, Evelyn, became a teenager in the late 1940s, she realized she was sexually attracted to women more than men. Living in a very rural area of Western Canada, she had no idea there were other women like her. So she did what was expected of a young woman in the 1950s. She got married to a nice young man, moved to his farm, and started having kids. It turned out the man she married wasn't so nice. He was prone to radical, sometimes violent mood swings. I was sometimes on the receiving end of that violence, and my mother would intervene, often taking the blows herself. To escape the trauma of her marriage, while yet maintaining the facade of being a happy housewife, my mother threw herself into volunteer work, including the local United Church Women's Association, or UCW. There, she met a new arrival to the community, a tall, intelligent substitute teacher named Lilia. With Lilia's smarts and Evelyn's energy, the two soon became a power team in UCW, helping organize events like foul suppers, bridal showers, and wedding receptions. They became good friends and, with each other's support by the early 70s, were able to both escape unfortunate marriages. To celebrate their newfound freedom, they decided to go on a road trip together to the United States. One night in a motel near Fargo, North Dakota, Evelyn got up the nerve to ask her dear friend if she'd be willing to take their relationship a step further. Oh, my goodness. Would you mind if I kissed you? She asked Lilia. I don't know. I've never kissed a woman before. I suppose I could try, was Lilia's reply. And so they kissed. Well, I think my mom must have been a pretty good kisser. She and Lilia <laughs> shared a life and a love oh together for the God. next 40 years. They soon left the small town in rural Saskatchewan to live together in the provincial capital, a city named Regina. Nope, Regina. My vagina, <laughs> but with an R. <laughs> my Instead name's Gina. <laughs> the city is named after Queen Victoria, Regina being Latin for queen. It's known as the Queen City of the Plains. So what better place for Mom and Lilia to move, right? There, they met a small but determined group of like-minded souls who were attempting to organize a club of their own, a place where they could safely meet, be themselves, and love who they wanted without fear or shame. Mom and Lilia brought all their talent and skill they had developed in UCW to the club and helped get it on its feet. Sadly, Lilia passed away 10 years ago this month, but last week, QC Pride, the QC stands for Queen City, uh, anyway, QC Pride honored Evelyn and Lilia with a Lifetime Achievement Award. And I'm incredibly proud of my moms and damn lucky I ended up with the two best moms ever. I've included photos of them together. Evelyn is the one on the right laughing. There's also a photo of Evelyn accepting the award and a very poignant photo of the two of them later in life still in love. Thank you, AG and DG, for letting me share this story with you. Oh my God. Well, first of all, I'm glad you're reading this because I wouldn't have made it through. <laughs> Ian, uh, I love this so much, and I hope that the story is written down in in great detail. I think it would make an incredible movie. And this last photo, I know. Uh, I'm not sure if it's called a long engagement, if I'm calling that correctly, but it's the Edie Windsor story with uh, her and her partner, and it's it's so worth watching. But this totally reminds me of their story and the love they shared for years and years in that last photo. May we all be so lucky, Ian. Thank you for this. Mm. Oh, man. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's only Tuesday. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Ian, I love you and your moms. That's all I have to say. I don't know how I got through that. I have to send that. I have to send this to my bestie. Oh, man. I got to read this to every damn person I know. 
<laughs> her wife is uh, a very good, very good point. Oh, goodness. All right. Okay. That's the good news today. If you have any good news, I don't know if you want to follow that, but if you have any good news, you could send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Dana, do you have any um, final thoughts before we get out? Yeah, the only way to beat that is if you have a story of incredible lesbian lovers that you're, you you they found each other after horrible marriages, but they were together for 41 years. Like, that's the only way you'd be able to beat that story. Ian, oh, I still can't get myself together. I have no final thoughts because that's just one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard. And I think we should have a wonderful day fill, having that fill our hearts. Yeah, let's just take that forward until tomorrow. And until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q. And please take everyone with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for the Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.